Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Euros All Access podcast is proudly sponsored by Vauxhall. Before we kickstart today's episode, I just wanted to take a moment to make sure that all of our listeners are aware of the Vauxhall ELCV range. If you don't know what I'm referring to, it is the best-selling electric van range from Vauxhall, which is driving innovation in 2024 with its modern facelifted design and improved electric technology. Now, I know the transition to an electric vehicle can sometimes feel daunting, but rest assured that when you choose Vauxhall, you're in the safest of hands. The ELCV range is designed to be as accessible as a diesel van, with an electric range of up to 261 miles, and with one year's free public charging included, you will find it cheaper to run too. If you are already thinking of making the leap to an all-electric vehicle, then consider this your official sign. Go online and search Vauxhall Electric Vans today, Vauxhall's best-selling electric van range, energising a better Britain. Terms and conditions apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello game day, girls and guys. This is Sam Adderface with another edition of the Ultimate Premier League Preview Podcast that looks ahead to every single Premier League match with great technical analysis and only slightly less injury news than Michael Owen's autobiography. Just as feisty though. This week, a fixture that made the modern Premier League what it is. Plus, is there a raft of potential upsets on the cards? Brendan Rodgers gets his teeth into Manchester United. Chelsea face a tough task at Wolves. And City and Norwich try to cobble together a backline out of their dwindling resources. Yeah, it's all relative, folks. With me to discuss every game in the Premier League this weekend is David Walker, the football editor of TalkSport. Hello. Hello, Sam. Andy Butler from Dream Team will give you fantasy insight. And we have the velvet-voiced Welshman who was brought up to believe playing out meant riding around Newport on a BMX. It's the former West Brom, West Ham, Cardiff, Palace, QPR and Wales captain. It's Danny Gabadon. Yep, looking forward to this. Stats, facts, team news and analysis to come. Danny Gabadon looking smoother than a slide rule pass from terrific Trent and David Walker who as a Watford fan is looking a little bit like a bulldog chewing a hornet uh, we'll find out whether or not the pain is worth it later yeah uh, don't worry I think the pain is going to be worth it but I've got I've got a few things to mention to you Sam I know you've been getting a bit of a hard time from us hornets on social media over the last few days so I need to set the record straight Okay, Danny, what did you make of England's defence on Tuesday night? Or, or are you so Welsh that you don't even have ITV? No, I, I'm more concerned with Wales's defence at the minute, to be honest with you, Sam. Um, I, I obviously heard about the result. Sounded like a, an entertaining game, but um, bigger f- fish to fry with with Wales and qualification for the Euros with them. Um, obviously, two wins, uh, one of them being a friendly, but um, not the greatest of performances. So uh, my focus is, is solely on, on the Welsh, I'm sorry. Okay, then let's crack on to Anfield, where Steve Bruce looks to try and pull off a miracle. Steps away from David Luiz, still Mo Salah, 3-0! Brilliant, brilliant individual goal for Mohamed Salah. 
onto Rondon. Left edge of the penalty here at the far post. Yedlin is screaming Brilliant. for him. He's going to get there as well. It's DeAndre Yedlin with an equaliser for Newcastle United. Firmino finding Salah now with a burst into the penalty area. He's checked away from me. Firmino with a low oh, shot. Brilliant. And on a day of records, Roberto Firmino becomes the first Brazilian to score 50 Premier League goals. Liverpool unstoppable. Fabian Scher making his way forward. 30 yards outside the area. Rolls it in. This is a chance. Newcastle lead. Isaac Hayden is the man that has found the breakthrough. Now, for many years, this fixture was viewed as the one that produced the Premier League's most iconic game. Everyone can remember Collymore closing in. Heroes that have played for both. Keegan, Barnes, Rush, Owen, Andy Carroll. But now, these two are probably about as far apart that you'd probably have to borrow Michael Owen's helicopter to bridge the gap. Can anyone make a case for anything other than watching Liverpool record a 14th win in a row? Danny? Um, I'd love to, Sam, (laughs) but I really can't. Um, I think this is going to be a difficult task for Newcastle. Listen, they'll be buoyed off the last couple of results. Um, Obviously, at home to Watford, they would have looked to have picked up all three points there, but going to Tottenham with that rear guard action, scoring a really good goal and uh, coming away with the three points there. It's going to be a similar kind of game, I suppose. They're not going to see too much of the ball. I think if you look at Newcastle's system, the way they play with a five at the back, they might be able to cause Liverpool a few problems. I think the wing-back system that they play with, that will allow their, their wing-backs to kind of push on to the Liverpool uh, full-backs and um, maybe not allow them as much space as they normally have to, to get that delivery into the box. But then you're looking at the three centre-halves of Newcastle then coming up against the, the three attacking players of, of Liverpool, which will be very difficult. Um, I think Almiron struggling as well. So, you know, there's your counter-attacking threat kind of gone, which would be very useful um, and obviously Joe Allington's got um, a key part to play as well when they, they do get the ball back he's got to be able to retain possession to help get his team up the pitch if they can kind of do those things and obviously get through the first 15-20 minutes unscathed then maybe they have a chance but you just don't see Newcastle probably getting enough of the ball really to hurt Liverpool and I, I can only see um, Liverpool especially if they get an early goal going on to win this one quite quite comfortably I'm going to this game on Saturday and I'm very, very excited about it. But I think I'm excited about it because of the history between these two teams rather than actually looking at it in a match in isolation. And the problem is, Dave, is that that if you're a, a, a Newcastle fan, if you were at home at St James's Park, you might give yourself, what, a 10, 15% chance of pulling off a shock against Liverpool. Away at Anfield, where they never, ever lose. I mean, the last time they dropped points at home was against Leicester in January and the last time they suffered a Premier League defeat there was April 2017 you know it's not going to happen I mean they frustrated Tottenham down at the new uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is, is their only hope really to make this the most boring game of the season 100% that that's the template the Tottenham victory is is the thing that gives Newcastle the tiniest green shoot of hope for the for this game I, I think actually in, in a strange way if they were at, if they were at St James's they the crowd would want to obviously want to encourage Newcastle to come out and and play a bit more which Liverpool would very much take advantage of so perhaps even though Anfield is just such an impenetrable fortress as you said perhaps being at Anfield just slightly increases Newcastle's 
ability maybe to, to just hunker down and try and hold on for something. But it's it's going to be incredibly difficult for them to do so. Liverpool looking to become the fourth team to win 14 consecutive English top flight matches if they, if they beat Newcastle this weekend. And most of their best play comes going forward. Firmino is the man that sort of holds everything together, the glue uh, that holds that triumvirate together. Salah and Mane hit the headlines in the last Premier League match week because they fell out. And Danny, a lot has been made of it, but ultimately this happens all the time, doesn't it, in training? Everyone falls out of everyone, especially strikers that that, that want to be amongst the goals. Absolutely. Um, Arguments happen all the time, all over the pitch. I, I can remember playing alongside central defenders and having you know arguments with them uh, about certain things that you're not you're not happy with and name names uh, <laughs> I don't want to name names <laughs> no um, but it, it does happen James uh, Collins has just tweeted <laughs> it hold on a second <laughs> no he was alright to be fair but no it, it does happen it's, it's a part of football and I just think they're so competitive they are quite individualistic as well with the way they play I think if you look at Man City and how they play they play much more as a team but you mentioned Firmino he is the guy that is the unselfish one of the three really that knits everything together and and the other two Salah and Mane are a bit more individualistic with how they play so you know Mane he can't really complain too much because I've seen him countless times not pass the Salah as well in um, in positions where maybe he could score so um, I think they're both as bad as each other on this one but I don't think it's one to worry about too much probably the international break coming at a good time as well to just settle all that down and um, I think it's just the competitive edge that they both have but you do worry a little bit maybe in the bigger games if that happens, um, missing opportunities because uh, people are being selfish. But when it's a, you know against Burnley, which you know they won that game comfortably, it doesn't probably matter as much, I would say. So we're talking up that there's a potential upset here. I mean, let's keep going. Newcastle have scored <laughs> in each of their last three games. And Brucey, he's no mug, is he? I mean, c- can you see them scoring against a Liverpool side? That aren't, and I keep saying it, and I'm boring myself here. They don't look as defensively sound, Liverpool, as they did last year, Danny. No, they don't. Um, they certainly look like that defensive line is pushing a little higher up the pitch. You know, pre-season, mm. they looked very open as well, conceded a lot of goals, but... I think the Burnley performance is probably their most complete balanced performance of the season, keeping that clean sheet, scoring the the three goals. So they'll take a lot of confidence from that. But look, you have to try and get at them. It's as simple as that. You have to have the ball to get at Liverpool because they do play. They commit a lot of bodies forward. Liverpool, they they, they basically defend with with three players. Virgil van Dijk, Joel Matip or Joe Gomez and then Fabinho sitting in front. But they're still so difficult to to penetrate because you know the two centre-halves are quick so any balls that go down the side they're, they're able to deal with Fabinho just mopping up in front and and they, they're very brave with their line as I say they catch strikers offside but you have to get the ball back and get those three or four passes in if you can if you're the opposition team and then you might be able to hurt Liverpool but I just can't see it happening from Newcastle's point of view um, I think Joe Ellington as I said he's going to have a massive job on against Virgil van Dijk he's going to have to retain possession and we're on for me is is the big one they need him fit um, he has that pace on the counter-attack if he's not playing I just can't see Liverpool's not winning this game I think Newcastle get penned in their own half and you know it's wave after wave of attack and eventually something something is going to give Okay, uh, the Liverpool fans love getting stuck into Steve Bruce as a former Manchester United captain but he always takes it very very well even when they sing he's got a big fat head he'll have a pretty big head if they beat Liverpool on Saturday lunchtime can't see it myself Newcastle last one at Liverpool in the Premier League 25 years ago 25 years ago 
Danny Gavin was, what, 15 at the time? Um, listeners in the UK will be able to catch uh, that match live on game day on TalkSport from 11 o'clock. Reshmin Chowdhury will be there with me and Stuart Pearce. I can't wait for it. Across the rest of the world, Premier League Live will bring you all the action. Uh, let's move on to Old Trafford, where Ollie doesn't want any more goals in Fergie time. Still 1-1, and Dom McGuinness Palace on the attack. The RND Van Aalholt tries his look at his shot, and it's in! Palace have got the winner, surely! Well, that's an awful moment from De Gea. Surely he'll feel he could have done better. Zahar it was who was breaking forward. The ball fallen to Van Aalholt. He shot, and it's gone through the arms of David De Gea. And there's about 1,000, maybe 1,500 Palace fans. They are bouncing in the corner of Old Trafford. Leicester outplayed Chelsea in the second half of their game at Stamford Bridge after getting banged in the first 45 minutes. But they are unbeaten. They start the weekend third in the division. Will they remain unbeaten by the time they are finished at Old Trafford? United winless since their opening day triumph. They've lost to Palace. They've failed to beat Wolverhampton Wanderers. They went down to Southampton and didn't play particularly well. Although, Ollie did say to me after that game... We're on the right track. So, Danny, are they on the right track? I don't think... Hesitancy there. It's a a difficult one to evaluate because only the one win this season, but... It could have been a lot more, and a lot of that stems, obviously, I think, poor kind of game management, um, not seeing games out. Obviously, you had the, the, the penalty situation with Rashford and Pogba, and maybe just not enough um, leadership from the manager, I suppose, in those situations, um, and maybe they'd have a few more points. But certainly, I think, with the players that they brought in, um, obviously, Wan-Bissaka's hit the ground running, Harry Maguire looks at home already, and, and obviously, Daniel James has been the surprise kind of bright spark for them in, in the forward areas. So, I think, they are on the right track with regards to players that they're trying to bring in, but this is a, a slow burner for me. As we know, you know, United are not going to win the Premier League this season with the squad that they have. For me, well, the manager needs time. I think very similar to what's happened at Liverpool with Jurgen Klopp. He's been able to build a side over three or four kind of seasons and you've seen constant kind of improvement with that side, but very difficult for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Oh, difficult for any manager, I think, in a minute to get United where they need to be um, in a short period of time with with the players that they have you know there's so many years of I don't I don't I don't want him to be replaced I don't think he, he should be replaced my issue with the United squad is that it's too light yeah I get what they're trying to do long term uh, there's going to be short-term pain in my view I had a spat with someone last week who said that they should replace Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and I was like well, what's the point of that yeah. Louis van Gaal's been in charge of this team Jose Mourinho's been in charge of this team two of Europe's best managers over the last 20 years couldn't turn this club around after uh, two decades of 80s, 90s old school management by a guy who was literally a genius. It's different now. The club was stuck behind and it, and it will take years to turn it round. So sacking Oli is not going to help. The plan that Mike Phelan and Solskjaer have got is a long-term one and that has to be mirrored not only on the field but off the field with upgrading all the departments. That is the right path. Now later down the line, once the churn is complete, you might make a change. You might say this guy's not the one for us. But doing so right now I think will be pointless. The issue is, David, is that in, in the next few months, even maybe in the next few seasons, they ain't winning anything. Well, in, in the next few days, I think, you know, is a big issue as well for Manchester United. This is a really tough game for them. Yeah. And we, we, Sam, we were down at St Mary's, weren't we, before the international break for their game against Southampton. A 10-man Southampton for, for much of the second half. And they halfed yeah. and they puffed and they put they put some decent balls in. To be fair to some of their wide players, Greenwood came off the bench and put a few balls in. James was 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 doing his best on the left, but there wasn't anyone there. Rashford wasn't getting on the end of the balls. There wasn't anyone finishing them off. 
you looked, you had to look at a few of those chances and think, you know what, Lukaku might well have been on the end of one of those if he was still around. But Leicester yeah. are much better than Southampton, much much better than Crystal Palace, who beat Manchester United the week before that. I think this is a really difficult game. We talked about Anfield being a fortress for Liverpool. Old Trafford, once upon a time, was a place where Man United would beat teams before they even walked on the pitch. In the tunnel. Yeah, not anymore. And I think Leicester, I mean, all eyes will be on Harry Maguire going up against Jamie Vardy. And the, the form that Vardy's in, I'd fancy him to be running past Maguire all day. Um, we'll keep you in touch with that one over the course of the weekend. Right, still to come, Dave's got his pencil sharpened and ready to stick it into me when we get into <laughs> Watford against Arsenal. Uh, loads more games to look ahead to. Here's Alex Crook keeping an eye on Aston Villa and West Ham United. I was at Selhurst Park to see Villa robbed of a point against Crystal Palace by one of the worst refereeing decisions of the season. Dean Smith and his players have had two long weeks to reflect on that injustice, so West Ham can expect them to be pumped up for this clash of the Claret and Sky Blues. Tyro Mings could only watch from the bench as England ship goals for fun against Kosovo on Wednesday. His battle with West Ham goal machine Sebastian Allaire should be central to the outcome. The pair have a combined height of almost 13 feet, or three Sam Matavaces, so we should see plenty of aerial action. But Allaire is more than just an old-style battering ram. The crafty Frenchman has already proved during his fledgling hammer's reign that he has the guile to go with his physical prowess, so Mings knows he'll be kept busy. Villa's last Premier League campaign was an unmitigated disaster, and as with all newly promoted clubs, their home form is going to be crucial this season. Thanks to Alex, he'll be back a little bit later on. Now, Pep's project already playing catch-up to Liverpool and are likely to be five points behind by the time they kick off against Norwich. But um, they have been superb in all four of their games so far, Manchester City. Uh, they should have beaten Tottenham. And Danny, the biggest problem they've got is that they'll be missing a significant man in Emmerich Laporte. So it's time for John Stones now to show us exactly what he can do because he's going to get a long run in the side. Yeah, it certainly is, but not a bad replacement, is it? I mean, Emmerich Laporte, um, for me, one of the best centre-halves in Europe. So that that is a blow for City, but their squad is so strong. You know, they can just bring almost like-for-like replacements straight in. John Stones, I'm sure you wouldn't want to benefit from someone else's kind of misfortune, someone getting injured, but it's a big opportunity for him and I don't really see it being too much of a problem for City, Laporte not being there. Um, I think when it comes to maybe the latter stages of the of the Champions League, when you're coming up against top quality opposition, yes, um, that might be a problem for them, but I, I don't see many teams in the Premier League who are going to expose that problem there when and as we know John Stones is a more than capable uh, deputy to come in and it's an opportunity for him as you say to sh- to show what he can do so um I I don't see it being too much of a problem and, and certainly not against the uh, Norwich on the weekend who are, who are going to find this one uh, very difficult it's, it's a free hit for them really isn't it so could be goals galore though couldn't it yeah. though? because not that you'd expect City to have too much trouble with Norwich Aguero's got six in four Sterling is an absolute goal machine Pukki's got five goals already Cantwell's playing well going forward Norwich score a lot of goals but they've got chronic defensive issues the latest of which Max Aaron's limped out of the game uh, on Monday night the under 21s and had to leave the stadium in a protective boot no wonder they haven't kept any clean sheets and I doubt they're going to keep one this weekend is it going to be a bit of a shootout though? 
It has to be from Norwich's point of view. As you said, the defensive injuries are there. Grant Hanley's out as well, although that, that may well be a good thing yep. for Norwich, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but I mean, th- th- that said, we, we saw Norwich play Chelsea a few weeks ago and that was a fantastic game of football. That Every time both teams got the ball, it looked like there was going to be a goal or, or, or a big chance and Pukki was so confident. Campwell scored his first goal, looked really good. Wendia was threading those balls through as well. But especially as I'm sure we'll talk about later in, with, uh, with Andrew from the Dream Team, Pukki... He didn't score against West Ham. We all thought that was going to happen. We all thought he was going to continue, and then that was a bit of a surprise. Maybe, maybe the goals will start to dry up. Maybe all he's not... the teams. I know. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's not going to score every week. I don't know. But I think Norwich will fly at them. They'll have to. They'll go for them. They're going to be at home. Be a big crowd, big loud crowd at Carrow Road, and City do give you chances occasionally, especially with Laporte being out. And City, obviously, like 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 Liverpool, Newcastle, City should win this all day long. The embarrassment of riches they've got throughout the squad should very well be too much for Norwich. But Norwich, they they won't be that concerned. They're not going to be scared. They're going to yeah, go is, for it. Is that the right way to go about it, though? You know, well, they've got all these plaudits for playing nice football and entertaining us, but they've lost their game against Chelsea. They've lost their game against Liverpool. They're probably going to lose against Manchester City. Should it be that easy for us to predict, or should they be instead of trying to be brave and? I've seen and many teams. Though, that, should they be a little bit harder to beat? I've seen many teams try and do that against Man City. Uh, Watford have, have done it a number of times and I've seen they, they try and defend and keep compact and they still beat you four or five so you just think well, what's the point I might yeah. as well try and get something well I think you can look at it both ways it's admirable what they're trying to do um, you know, sticking to their style of play trying to take on the big boys um, in a game of football um, that's great um, believing in the system and, and what you're trying to do um, but I think you can also look at it the other way as you say Sam um, I think you know goal difference might end up being a um, a vital thing at the end of the season. I think there is a kind of a way to lose as well. I think if you look at, for instance, Ben Godfrey, who's been playing centre half for Norwich, who I think's had a pretty good start to the season, captain the under 21s the yeah. other night, doing ever so well. It's a strange one for him, I think, in his mind, because you're coming off the pitch kind of thinking, I've actually done all right there, um, but you look at the goals against Colum and it's three or four or it's five or six. Um, so I think it can kind of play with your confidence a bit as well. Okay. Up next, Wolves against Chelsea and our Twitter takeover. Now Pulisic now wants to mount inside the area. He's beaten Hanley and he's shooting towards goal. And that was some finish by Mason Mount. His second goal in two games in the Premier League for Chelsea. And that was an outstanding goal. Sends it back to the edge of the area. Then tries to turn and does manage to score. Kovacic now moving through the centre onto Abraham. Good take by him. He's got support to his left. But Abraham goes for goal himself and scores. What a brilliant finish from Tammy Abraham. Switching out to the left and Venegre, who controls it. Not perfectly. Brings it back in field. Nevers has got it again. Space to shoot. He does shoot from distance. Oh, what a goal. Brilliant. Yes, time for our Twitter takeover. This week, Dave and Matt from at Talking Walls have got in touch with their five talking points and at Breathe Chelsea on Twitter have also got in touch to give us some bits and pieces to talk about with Chelsea. Let's focus, first of all, on Wolverhampton Wanderers. And Danny, Wolves are the only team yet to lead for a single minute of the Premier League this season so far. Only Norwich, 187 minutes, have trailed for more minutes than Wolves. Can Wolves finally take the lead? 
against Chelsea. Well, that's an interesting stat, Sam, to be fair. And I never, I wouldn't have thought that. And, you know, it has been a slowish start to the that's season. That's what happens when you tap into the local guys, Danny, <laughs> at Talking Wolves. I like appreciate it. that. I like it. I like it. I mean, it's, it's it's been a slowish start for the season. You can look at the Europa League and maybe factor that in. I think they have been very focused on wanting to to do well in that competition and, and they have um, and maybe just slightly taken it off the ball with the, the start of the Premier League. I thought, you know, last season defensively, they were very good, very difficult to, to play against with that kind of three at the back system that they play. But this season, I think you've seen one or two more individual errors in the start of the season, which you don't normally uh, see from this Wolves side. And it's always difficult, it doesn't matter who you're playing against in the Premier League, if you, if you don't get that first goal in a team like Wolves, who I think are quite heavily reliant on the, on the two strikers as well, um, Jimenez and, and Giotto, or if it's Catroni playing up there. Um, if you don't get that first goal, um, it's, it's very difficult to, to kind of get back into the game. So I think, I don't think they're far off, to be fair. I don't think they've been playing too bad, Sam. You know, Jimenez is coming into good form. He's been scoring goals. But it is about kind of getting that first goal um, and probably defending a little bit better than than they have done um, start of the season. So I don't really think they're too far off. I think this is a, a good game for them. The, the guys also mentioned about Jimenez. They said so they scored against Chelsea home and away uh, last season. Eight goals this season already in all competitions. Dave, is he the role deal? <laughs> I certainly think he is he's good he, he, he actually surpassed my expectations of him when you looked at his goal record before he turned up at Wolves it wasn't that impressive but he had a fantastic yeah. season last season he was the only player in the Premier League to score home and away against Chelsea last season so I, I would expect him to, to, to do it again I think this is going to be a really good game because Chelsea as we've seen a few times not great at the back Sheffield United caused them problems last time out. Uh, I'd, you know, Wolves traditionally fancy themselves against the top six. They do well against the top six. It seems to suit them quite well. Um, but Chelsea are going to come flying out the blocks. Uh, and as you just said about Wolves conceding 60% of their goals early on, you know, I think this makes for a mouthwatering encounter. It could be, could be another, you know, we've seen 2-2 last week with Chelsea, Sheffield United. We saw more goals at Norwich. There could be goals in this one, I think. Breathe Chelsea also whacked in some questions and talking points at Breathe. Chelsea on Twitter. Thank you very much uh, for that. I'll throw one in first of all. I think Chelsea need to make a change at right back. I don't care who plays there, but they need to make a change quickly because Athpilicueta is struggling. I like him as a bloke. He's an excellent person, comes into the training ground every day, works very hard, but he's really, really struggling. Um, he hasn't got the legs. A lot of the goals that Chelsea have conceded have come down his side. I know Rhys James isn't ready yet. Rudiger's nearly there. But should they change to a back three, Danny, to compensate for just how much he is struggling? Um, I don't think they need to, to change to a back three. I just think, you know, as Pulicueta has been a fantastic player for them for, for many a year. Yes, he's not getting any younger. He's never been the quickest, but, you know, for me, being one of the best. 30. Yeah, well, I think his legs have gone a little bit. He's played a lot of games, mm. to be fair. He looks fair. older, doesn't um, he? Yeah, he that? looks yeah. older, to be fair. <laughs> Over 500 years. games, but actually. For me, he was one of the best one-on-one -on -one defenders um, in the Premier League. But I think the way Chelsea play doesn't really suit him as well. You know, they are more expansive and more open. And if you're not the most mobile, um, and certainly in the second half of games where that midfielder Chelsea seems to go missing and his space is everywhere, then I think his lack of mobility will get found out a little bit. I think Reese James, when he's fit, probably does suit that role uh, more with the way Frank Lampard wants to play. But for me, I think he misses Rudiger as well. As you say there, Rudiger is their best centre-back. I thought he was fantastic for them last season. I'm not convinced with a Christiansen-Zuma partnership. I think when Rudiger comes in on that right-hand side as well, you probably see Azpilicueta play better and, and Golo Conte as well. 
I think with him not playing, um, the guy that mops everything up in that midfield just puts those fires out. Even before, you know, players get into that situation where they can get at Aspilicueta, normally can't. He's over there helping him. So I think he's missing two big players. I think if Chelsea can get those two back into the team, then I think that will help yeah. Aspilicueta's form as well. Chelsea are missing three big players, aren't they? They're, they're missing Rudiger and they're missing N'Golo and Conte um, because. Um, <laughs> He does. He does the work of two people. He's he absolutely sensational, and his standard-setting performance in the uh, Super Cup just sort of outlined that. Uh, players returning from injury: Hudson Odoi, Reese James, and Rudiger. I don't think Reese James is as close as we hoped. Rudiger is on the way back. Uh, the brief Chelsea guys asked, "Will any of them start?" I think it's a bit too early for all of them. Actually, I think Rudiger may well come into it, but the other two maybe we'll have to wait another week or so. The big issue, and this is their their number two uh, talking point: dealing with the counter-attack that Wolves possess because as proven against Manchester United that is something that Chelsea struggle with and if they're pressing high up the field which they do a lot Danny yeah. they can be vulnerable to that they can um, and I think it's been a bit of a mixed bag from Chelsea isn't it up until now I think they've struggled to put a 90 minute kind of performance together as Dave said they kind of come out of the blocks sharp in the first half they're pressing high and then second half it just seems to tail away and I'm not sure if they've got the right personnel yet to kind of do what Frank Lampard wants to do, particularly when Kante isn't, isn't in the team. Um, and it just looks like that midfield area in the second half tends to tail off. There's a bit of a lack of mobility in there um, and the spaces open up and they become very vulnerable then on a counter-attack. And um, Wolves are a team that can that can expose that. They're very good at that, at sitting in uh, with that five-at-the-back system, the three midfielders that, that tend to sit there. They've, they were very good last season on the counter-attack. So um, that's something that Chelsea are going to have to be very aware of. And, and Frank will be looking to put together a 90-minute performance with it to try and keep that intensity up for the full 90 minutes because Chelsea really have struggled with that so far this season. Um, another one for you, Dave. Here you go. You'll love this one. Striker question. Um, the, the brief Chelsea guys want to know whether or not with Giroud scoring on international duty again, does he get the nod over Tammy Abraham? Now, Tammy scored four in his last two Premier League games, so you'd probably say no way. But is he only going to score against the recently promoted or weaker sides? That's their question, not mine. Well, that that is the question we all want to know. He scored goals against Sheffield United and Norwich. I wouldn't I wouldn't drop him. He looks confident. As soon as he scored that 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 start that he got against Norwich when he'd been dropped the week before and Giroud came back in, it was a big call to bring him back in and he scored early on, took a really nice crisp half volley, looked confident and from that point onwards he scored later on in that game, scored again against Sheffield United. He he looks up for it now and I think you've got to give him a long run in the team to like properly bed him in and cement in his mind not just everyone else's, that he is yeah. a Premier League striker. OK, let's turn our attention to Sheffield United against Southampton before we get into the Dream Team. Here's Alex Crook again. We all know Sheffield is regarded as the city of steel and the Blades have already shown in their opening four Premier League games they have a cast-iron will. By coming back from 2-0 down to an unlikely point at Chelsea before the international break, Chris Wilder's side proved they can mix it with the very best. Striker David McGoldrick will be out to put one over one of his former clubs after rounding on the critics who labelled United a long ball team, which clearly, guys, they really aren't. McGoldrick's teammate Billy Sharp is another player Southampton know well after helping the Saints to promotion to the Premier League in 2012. And it's goal scorers Ralph Hasenhutl has been lacking this season with summer signing Shea Adams and Danny Ings yet to find their shooting boots 
The visitors came from behind to earn a morale-boosting point at home to Manchester United last time out. You were there, Sam. But Hasenhutl is still struggling to find a cure for Saints' travel sickness with their only wins away from St Mary's since January, both coming along the coast at Brighton. Thank you very much to Alex Crook. Uh, he'll be back a little bit later on. Uh, Tottenham against Crystal Palace is live on TalkSport 2 this Saturday afternoon. It's available across the rest of the world, if you're not in the UK, on Premier League Live. Andrew Butler is here to talk about that game. And I take it, Andrew, that we can all safely now put Christian Eriksen in our teams, yes? Yeah, I mean, you can. He's still only the uh, the fifth scoring, highest scoring um, Spurs player so far this season in Dream Team with actually only seven points. He's not being kind of given the points that he deserves so at this point um, you're still looking at really at Harry Kane but Ericsson's kind of the only player in that Spurs team possibly apart from Kane who's playing at the level that he should be playing at really um, or at the level that we know that he can do um, they've obviously injury ravaged squad as well at this point um, especially with Lacelso going out in the international break but um, Ericsson's a good shout as long as he gets the full 90 minutes of course which I'm sure he will do now. I mean, Danny, he made a really odd quote during international duty, didn't he? When he said, I wish my future could be sorted out like it was on Football Manager, <laughs> but it can't. I, I'm a football manager I mean, what, player, what, I so what I, was, I respected that. that. I respected that. I, I, I'm not really sure even what, what when did I played you, What do you mean? I didn't get it. Well, I think it's pretty simple on here, isn't it? You just kind of click a button and it's, it's, it's kind of done. So I think, um, obviously, he's, he seems to have been a frustrated player. I think, obviously, not getting that move that he probably wanted. Been sat on the bench a little bit as well. So I think he's just it's just been frustration for him and he probably thought it was something that would have got sorted out a lot quicker and a lot easier than it did, I suppose. So, um, But he's going to have to get his head down now, as you said, Sam, isn't he? He's a Tottenham player until, until the window opens up again and we'll see if a few of these... Uh, guys sticking back into the into their teams now he's going to be playing week in week out Palace start the weekend in the top six which is unbelievable because they're just not that good but their away form in 2019 <laughs> is absolutely superb only City have won more points in the last eight away games than Crystal Palace I'll just repeat that only Manchester City have won more points in their last eight away games than Crystal Palace do, do I need to do it again because I just can't get into my head that's actually true is, is there an opportunity that they're actually going to beat Tottenham Hotspur or disrupt even more Tottenham Hotspur's already stuttering start to the season. Well, this is this is a lovely, uh, lovely stat that we've got through. Um, this is only the fourth time in the Premier League that Crystal Palace are going to start a Premier League match in the top four. And it's the first time for Roy Hodgson since 1998 that he's going to be uh, starting a game in the top four. And that was when he was uh, Blackburn Rovers manager. They lost 4-0 away to, uh, to Leeds United that day. But they've got a great chance. I mean, I... I I think Spurs will just about edge it because because uh, Palace, you know, I think they've they've done well to get into that fourth place, but I think they probably will plateau back to the the the, the area that they should be in the. But Premier that's League, fine but... for dream team players, right? Yeah, you know, we we do not we're not bothered about the result here. No. we're bothered about the performance of the players. And Crystal Palace away against the top six are as good as anyone for some reason. So, you know, I've got Van Arnholt, Van Arnholt in my defence. I'm looking at maybe a few assists or something for him or even a goal. Yeah, well, Van Arnholt's the top scorer in Palace player so far this season, 26 points. He's definitely one to, to look at in your in your team. Sam, there's one player that I just want to point out for this weekend because um, this stat also came through to us. Um, it's about Jordan Ayew. Now, he's scored in each of his last two Premier League appearances. He could become the first Ghanaian to score in three in a row since... 
his own brother. Michael Essien. His own brother, <laughs> no. Andre Ayew, in 2016. And only the fourth <laughs> overall, Asimo Jan did it in 2010. Nice. And uh, Tony Yeboah did it in 1995. Nice so I'm looking forward to wow. seeing what Jordan Ayew does this weekend for Crystal Palace. Bournemouth against Everton. Bournemouth, uh, Bournemouth haven't kept any clean sheets this season. Uh, even against Everton, whose goal scorers aren't the most prolific, we're not going to be investing in Bournemouth's back line here, are we? No, we won't be. And there will be goals. Everton have only kept one clean sheet against Bournemouth in their eight Premier League uh, games uh, between them since Bournemouth uh, got into the Premier League. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The Euros All Access podcast is proudly sponsored by Vauxhall. I just wanted to take a moment to make sure that all of our listeners are aware of the new Vauxhall Combo Electric. The Combo Electric is Vauxhall's new compact van that is made right here in Britain at their Ellesmere Port plant. Not only does the new van look fantastic and with a striking redesign, but by manufacturing the Combo Electric locally, Vauxhall is helping to support the British workforce. Local manufacturing also reduces the cost of going electric, making the transition accessible for more businesses. With an electric range of up to 205 miles on a single charge and one year's free public charging included, the new Combo Electric is ready to take on whatever you throw at it. Head online today and see for yourself. Search Vauxhall Electric Vans and prepare to lead the charge. Vauxhall's best-selling electric van range, energising a better Britain. Terms and conditions apply. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Before you go, I just wanted to remind you that the Vauxhall ELCV range is the best-selling electric van range from Vauxhall, which is driving innovation in 2024 with its modern facelifted design and improved electric technology. Now, I know that the transition to an electric vehicle can sometimes feel daunting, but rest assured that when you choose Vauxhall, you're in the safest of hands. The ELCV range is designed to be as accessible as a diesel van with an electric range of 261 miles and with one year's free public charging included, you will find it cheaper to run too. If you're already thinking of making the leap to an electric vehicle, then consider this your official sign. Go online and search Vauxhall Electric Vans today. Vauxhall's best-selling electric van range, energising a better Britain. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, and you're right Everton's back line's looking a bit shaky as well I just wanted to ask Danny about the two top scoring uh, players for Bournemouth in Dream Team so far this season Harry Wilson Chris Metham the, <laughs> the future Welsh of boys. Wales is looking bright <laughs> there we go aren't they injured uh, Metham is yeah I'm not sure about Wilson is he I think he's in I think <laughs> he picked up injured. I think he picked up on Monday night I think he I thought he picked up a little knock on Monday night but um, <laughs> uh, Bournemouth players avoid their defenders despite 
the fact that I enjoy uh, mm. the fact that Metham's uh, performing. <laughs> Harry well Wilson's a good one, though, isn't he? Because obviously he takes all the set pieces. Yeah, he and... is. And he's just had such a phenomenal start to the season, Harry yeah. Wilson as well, scoring there. Uh, well, the they've got scoring. so many injuries, haven't they? I mean, you mentioned Meppen, but they're also without Charlie Daniels, who's out for the season. Cook and Brooks are still weeks away. And, and, and Everton have just started to bring those new players into the team from the start. Delph, Keane. It will be all started against Wolves with Charlison, who played well in the first game of the international break for uh, Brazil. Everyone was raving about his uh, performance. I, th- I think they'll have too much for Bournemouth. I've got to be honest with you. I, I think so, and I think that probably my um, my view of Everton's backline has only been slightly clouded by Michael Keane's performance for England uh, <laughs> on Tuesday night. That was what I was thinking of because. Um, uh, it wasn't the best. OK, back a nil-nil. Um, <laughs> let's move along the south coast to Brighton, who take on Burnley. Uh, here's Alex Crook again. Well, Graham Potter may share his surname with the world's most famous fictional wizard, but has yet to find the magic formula when it comes to Brighton's poor home form. In their first two seasons as a Premier League club, turning the Amex into a Hogwarts-style fortress was key to Brighton successfully avoiding relegation. Having taken just six points, though, from the last 11 matches in front of their own fans, the visit of Burnley is far from a formality, especially when you take into account the absence of playmaker Leandro Trossard due to injury. Burnley, well, they boast an impressive record against the South Coast side. They're unbeaten in their last seven meetings, in fact. Their manager, Sean Dyche, feels his team deserve more than the four points they have so far accumulated. The visit to Sussex kicks off a crucial period for the Clarets, who face three of the league's bottom five before the month is out. As always, top scorer Ashley Barnes will be key to Burnley's hopes of success. I, for one, can't believe he was overlooked by England coach Gareth Southgate. Ah, drink water. Sage advice. Um, Watford have dispensed with another manager. Uh, Watford fans get irritated when you mention the statistics. Kike Sanchez Flores is the 13th boss, not different different boss because he was one of them, 13th boss in 11 years. But that is statistically true. This is a club that have got high standards, hold you to high standards. And if they're thinking that someone is slipping, you're gone. Watford Walker, are you a happy hornet with what's happened with Javi Grazia over the course of the last few days? I'm a hornet with distinctly mixed emotions, <laughs> I think it's fair to say. Uh, okay. I was quite sad to see how that means we have to be careful you might sting us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I don't want to do that. Um, but I, I, I was sad to see Javi go because, like a lot of Watford fans, I, I was really, I mean, so appreciative of the job that he did last season was amazing. Getting us to that FA Cup final, winning that semi final in particular, some of the best memories I and many other Watford fans have ever had. And he was a great man, really nice guy, very humble, and he, he got it. He got the role that he was there, and he got Watford. It was a real connection with the, with the supporters. However, as we've seen, there's no room for sentiment in football, and there's certainly no room for sentiment from Gino Pozzo and Scott Duxbury. The cup run slightly obscures the fact that actually, over a long period of time, it's not really been very good. We can't keep a clean sheet to save our lives. We're not creating chances. That's the, that's the sort of main positive thing throughout this spell. The chances have been there. Can't finish them. Can't score enough goals. Can't keep them out the other end. And this is what you end up with. And I don't think Watford fans get annoyed with you, Sam, or with anyone else saying that the, the quoting the statistics that it's the 13th boss or, in 11 years. Some of, them might, well, some of them might do. <laughs> but I think that what they get annoyed about is that it's p- 
perceived her to be a negative thing. When you actually look at the context, the wider context, yeah, we're used to it. We're used to getting rid of managers, and that's the model. And it's been a success. You can't say anything other than Watford's policy of having a high turnover of managers, head coaches, I should say, has been nothing but a success. And I don't think anyone has actually been negative about that. I mean, I, I got a, a little bit of a response on Twitter this week because because there was a clip that went around saying that I'd, I'd mentioned that statistic, which was 13 bosses in 11 years. Ultimately, that is true. Mm. I mean, the wider conversation that I actually had during the Drive Time programme on Monday was that it is a high-stakes game. You know that when you sign. And the question actually was, should Javi Grazia, who said himself he was surprised after Watford's best season that he was sacked, have been shocked by it? And the answer is no, he shouldn't have been because he, he knew what he was going into when he went there. He knows how they run their football club. And look, from my point of view, as a, a supporter of Chelsea over the last 15 years, go. it's been exactly the same mm. model. And the way they keep their high standards is making sure everybody's on their toes all the time. And that's exactly what Watford have done as well. I think the, 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 the criticisms came, the fact that it was announced in the middle of an international match involving England where all eyes were diverted everywhere else when the decision had clearly been made at another time and then within 30 minutes Kike Sanchez-Flores had been announced as the new manager and Javi was completely forgotten, this guy that had taken mm. you to the FA Cup he just gone, that's it, it's over Well they don't mess about, they did the same thing when they hired Javi, they sacked Marco Silva on a Sunday morning and by Sunday afternoon Javi Gracia turned up, uh, that's just what they do they don't mess around then then you know they they are they are focused as you say high standards we don't want to be bottom of the premier league anymore and the big surprising thing to me was to see kike come back though i did not see that coming well that is interesting yeah well, what's the reaction been to that well he was he's very well liked it tailed off similar in a very similar way to how it's sort of tailed off under under Havi. He he basically got Watford safe by December in in 2015. Won the manager of the month for December. Beat Liverpool three 0 in one of Klopp's sort of early big defeats as Liverpool manager, and it was great. But then the Bear, I think, he won two of his last Premier League two of his last 12 Premier League games and it really tailed off uh, we had an FA Cup semi-final that season didn't turn up against Crystal Palace massive missed opportunity the performance was terrible it just all sort of evaporated from what was a really positive first half of the season and they both I think both parties felt you know what we've done the job here we've finished 13th but it's it's not really going as well as we'd like we're going to move on but so there was an acrimony uh, but there was there was a feeling that this was the right decision to make at the time so I think he'll come back against Arsenal on Sunday and there'll be a rapturous reception for him I think you know the atmosphere will be great Arsenal you could get at them <laughs> The other thing is, is that he dresses beautifully. Yes. I mean, he dresses almost as well as Danny Gavin, <laughs> uh, which is, is no mean feat. He's a handsome man. Um, it, it's very, it, yeah, but he's not as handsome as he was three years ago. <laughs> That's you what know, management does, Steve. Out of the car. Yeah, I know. You know, he's been off to China. He's managed in Spain. And since then, he, you know, there's a few more wrinkles there. I'm a bit <laughs> worried about him. I think we should pack him some moisturiser. Uh, talking about uh, getting rid of a few wrinkles, Arsenal were the better team in that North London derby, but defensively, absolutely shocking against Spurs. I mean, if they don't do their defensive work properly here, Danny, then they could get undone by Watford because this is the type of atmosphere, as Dave has already described, when you've got a new manager through the door, that if you're not on your metal, you, you, could, you could get a punch in the nose. Yeah, you certainly could. Um, and you look at Arsenal's kind of away 
form last season. Just the one clean sheet, I think, was it away from home last season? So, you know, what, against Watford. Watford. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, I feel Watford be looking at this and, and licking their lips and thinking, you know, we can kind of kickstart our season here. Um, you know, Arsenal defensively, you know, we've spoken about them defensively for a number of years now. Um, it's not just about the work on the training ground it's just the individuals that they have as well they, they didn't address that situation really in the summer I mean David Luiz is probably an upgrade on what they have and and that says it all really because you know he is in the answer yes I think when Hector Bellerin's fit and, and the lad Tierney as well um, I think when they come in probably into the back four um, it, it will help to strengthen them but I mean you look at that Tottenham game and the goals that they conceded really poor you know Socrates for both of them the first goal he goes running um, for a ball which he's never going to get you could have left that one I think it was Jacques who could have headed it and exposes his position and then Tottenham get in behind and score and then obviously the, the clumsy kind of foul for, for the penalty as well so you know David Luiz as well you know the, the game against Liverpool where I thought Arsenal did quite well no, first half you're thinking get to half time nil nil they concede from a simple set piece and, and the second one, David Luiz can't make a tackle on Salah because he's already got himself a silly yellow card a few minutes before. So this is going to be Arsenal all season again for me. They're going to be fantastic kind of going forward with the forward options that they have. But those defensive frailties are, are going to be evident again. OK, thank you very much. Uh, injury doubts over Willock, who's been very good since the start of the season. And Granite Xhaka, might not be a bad thing. Uh, Genduzzi <laughs> has been away with France. Didn't actually make his debut. He wore Pogba's number six, though, when he was warming up against Andorra. Um, and, of course, there is that sort of subplot that Danny Welbeck may well come back to haunt the Gunners. Oh, he's he fit, uh, Yeah, he's... Well... He's, I don't know if he's 100%. He, he's come off the bench a few times. He, he started against Coventry in the Cup. Just just one quick word on, on Flores and his and his philosophy and what we might see from him this season. Before, he was very defensive and he was asked recently whether he's changed at all. And his answer was, he said, I'm a big fan of the NBA. And when the Toronto Raptors won the NBA last season, on the court afterwards, the coach was asked, what's the secret to success? How have you won this? And he said, the secret was passion and my defence. And that's my philosophy. So I think you're going to get committed performance, but Watford are not going to be cavalier. They're going to be tight. They're going to be hard to beat. I just love the idea of Kike Sanchez-Flores saying the word passion um, <laughs> with his little sort of, you know, special scarf and well-trimmed beard and beautifully coiffured hair. It's time for the commentator's curse. You know what it's like as a commentator. Just when you point out that Harry Kane has taken 50 penalties and he's absolutely brilliant from the spot, all of a sudden you take on Kosovo and he misses one. Which poor souls are we going to burden with an astonishing fact that they can't possibly live up to this weekend? Danny, do you want to start us off? Okay, um, Sam, I'm going to go with my fellow Welshman, Daniel James. Obviously, Man United coming up against Leicester this weekend. Uh, two home games for Daniel James. He scored in both of them. Um, I watched him live on Monday. Uh, got the winner for Wales against uh, Belarus on Monday night. Already won the Player of the Month for August uh, for Manchester United. Um, so for me, oh. he is the guy who is going to put. Right. <laughs> he's going to he's going to uh, kill off Leicester's unbeaten start to the season. I think this weekend he's he's going to get the goals. Okay, we'll keep an eye on him. Dave? I, I'm going to go right back to where we started. Liverpool v Newcastle United. Sadio Mane has played 50 Premier League matches at Anfield without losing. 49 oh, of those yes. with Liverpool, one with Southampton. So that's more than any other player has played on a single ground without ending on the losing side in Premier League 
history. Surely, surely that's not going to uh, come to an end this Saturday. But did you know this? Steve Bruce has lost just four of his last 17 Premier League meetings with Liverpool. Just four of 17. That's an unbelievable record. Winning his most recent game against the Reds in April 2015 with Hull City. Yes, that was back in the day. Yes, that was before Van Dijk. Yes, that was before Firmino and Mane and Salah and, and, and Alisson. But it doesn't matter. That's, that, is, that is lodged in that big head up there somewhere that he has got a fantastic record. I mean, because I've mentioned it now, they get thumped six. But hey, you never know. Uh, gents, thank you very much. Danny, any modelling work this week? <laughs> I wish. I wish. No, no. A quiet one for me this weekend, Sam. I'll be taking in all the results. And are you uh, going to the homecoming party, uh, Dave, of uh, Kike Sanchez? I am. I am. I'll be there as, as a fan, actually, <laughs> in, the, in the rookery end, uh, singing his famous song. Okay, thanks to David, thanks to Danny. And uh, remember, uh, Laura Woods has your game day verdict on Sunday morning and the record book with Danny Kelly is out on Monday. You get them all in the game day podcast feed. All you need to do is subscribe at the bottom of the iTunes page, the Acast page, or from wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're back very soon. Listener.